Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Draftville, the USA Today Network's podcast discussing the NFL draft. I am Tennessean sports columnist Gentry Estes, joined by columnist Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News. Chase, how's it going? Doing well, Gentry. How are you today? Uh, I'm okay, and and as I've said before, if your thing is to listen to folks sitting around talking about the NFL draft, then you are in the right place here in Draftville because we're about to do that a little bit. We're actually going to be joined this week by Blake Bedenfield, who is a, I, I believe he was with the Titans for about two decades. Chase, is that right? Nearly, yeah, 19 years altogether, and the last five of those is the director of college scouting for the Titans. So the guy's absolutely got a wealth of knowledge. Looking forward to hearing from him a little later in the podcast. Yeah, and it was uh, Chase did a, did an outstanding interview with Blake. Asked him about a, a number of topics that are kind of prominent heading into the draft, which is now only a few weeks away. I guess the news this week, Chase, was a trade between the Eagles and the Saints. Uh, it's always interesting to me when you see teams just swap picks in in however the the formula is for that without including any players, because clearly they're both looking at charts, saying, "Okay, well, here's what I need out of this. Well, I need that," and you know, it gets pretty intricate when you involve a bunch of bunch of picks. But basically what happens is the the Eagles go from three first round picks to two. The Saints get a little extra capital. And I think the thought process is this could be a way to uh, free themselves of, of having to rely on Jameis Winston for a lot longer. Yeah, no doubt. Two, two first rounders for the Saints now. The Eagles had had three. They've now got two. They picked up another first rounder in 2023. So if you're the Eagles, you kind of spread the wealth around a little bit, right? Two first rounders now this year, two next year. From a salary cap standpoint, I think from a continuity standpoint, growth of the roster, two and two, it, it, it could be better than three and one. I, I think it makes sense for the Eagles. The Saints, on the other hand, uh, they could do a lot now. They've got an extra first-round pick. They could package one of those picks maybe, move up in the draft if there's somebody they're looking at that they want. Who knows? Maybe a quarterback. We talk about quarterbacks every week here on the USA Today Draft Bill podcast. Perhaps that's what the Saints have got their eye on. Maybe they sit tight. You know, Blake mentioned maybe they're looking to get younger. And and if you're looking to get younger as the Saints, then maybe you hang on to both of those picks and and infuse the roster with with a a, a couple of young first rounders instead of instead of trading up for one. Yeah, and and again, it always does kind of go back to well, are they are they aiming for a quarterback? Are they going to put together something to kind of trade up to to get that? It's getting to a point, Chase. I'm not sure how much teams are going to have to trade up. I mean, I, I've I've spoken before on the podcast. I've been skeptical of the idea that quarterbacks are going to fall in this first round because they never fall in the first round. You always see a few go in the first ten picks, but I, the longer I go here, I'm not so sure. This is shaping up in a lot of ways as a strange draft to me. And and you you get into this a little bit with Blake, and I wanted to ask you. You got eight teams now that do not have a pick in this first round. That's a stunning number. That's a quarter of the league is not even going to be taking part in this first round. I can't remember anything even remotely close to that in the past. And I think it it is, to me, it's a bit of an indictment on the first round of this draft. Uh, I don't think it's as good as in previous drafts. I think it is good in certain spots, but I I, I don't know. Am I wrong to be down on this and, and think that had something to do with it? 
I think the the strength of the draft certainly has something to do with it, and to some extent, the strength of the quarterback class. I mean, look, quarterbacks is what everybody's after in the first round. Not everybody, but but the quarterback is the hot position in the first round year after year. This quarterback class is considered light, so you've got some teams uh, that have decided to move on out. Maybe they've made a, a, a trade, uh, you know, and you know, look what the Broncos did, for instance, right, picking up. Uh, Russell Wilson. Now they don't have to worry about uh, a first-round rookie quarterback or what have you. So, uh, yeah, th- I think there's something to that. I think there's also something to the notion that uh, first-round picks, as valuable as they are, they still end up being busts here and there, just like in recruiting uh, at, at the college level. And if you're an NFL GM and there's a there's an outstanding proven healthy NFL player out there still in his twenties that you can acquire from somebody else in exchange for a first round pick. It's a burden hand that you're receiving and first round pick or not a little bit of a risk that you're giving away because there's no guarantee uh, that whoever you take in the first round is going to pan out. So there's something to that too. I, I think we also should should probably note that the team that just won the Super Bowl it's become kind of the the the, uh, the epitome of what we're talking about here. I, the Rams, I, what they haven't had a first round pick since something like 2016. Long time, long time, and and they're the ones wearing the ring right now. So hard to argue with what the Rams have done philosophically from the front office. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, it is it is a crazy scene for sure in this draft. A lot of teams sitting out, and the ones sitting out. They better hit that home run in the second round because if they don't, the, the draft their draft is could, could very quickly become a, a disappointing one. Yeah, th- this draft, uh, I, I think it's it, here's what I it's it's deep in certain positions and they're they're premium positions in the league too, edge rusher, tackle, you know the, these positions where guys are going to make a lot of money, but in terms of just star power and intrigue. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a lot of defensive players from the national champion in Georgia. You're looking at two wide receivers from Alabama who were big names in college, but they're both hurt. So I feel like this is going to be one of those drafts that might be a little bit lower on interest in terms of just the star power for the players. But at the same time, it could be a draft we look back on in four or five years and go, my gosh, how did that guy fall to the third round? It happens. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. I mean, I mean you go back and, and, and the bus at the top happen all the time. I mean, look at uh, a guy like Josh Rosen, for instance, a guy like Sam Darnold. I believe those two went in the same draft uh, and, and and now they're absolute afterthoughts in the league. Uh, Rosen no longer a starter. And I think Darnold very quickly on his way to not being a starter in the NFL. And they're not that old. So. Yeah, when you look back, sometimes I think I, I think uh, the, the, these first round picks they could be overrated. On the other hand, if, if if you hit a home run with the right guy, especially at the quarterback position, uh, there's 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 nothing like it. It sets the franchise up for success for the long term, and that's exactly why uh, it's such a hot commodity at the top of the draft. All right, before we uh, we get to your interview with Blake, I wanted to ask. Name me a guy, a quarterback, or, or whoever, a player in the draft and from recent years that you were correct on, either they were being picked too low or too high, or one that you were, and then one that you were very, very wrong about. 
That's a great question. You know, I felt like, uh, let's see. I thought Lamar Jackson was picked too late. We'll st- we'll go with him. He was the last pick, I believe, of the first round by the Baltimore Ravens when they took him. Uh, ended up winning the NFL MVP, I think, his second year in the league. I was kind of jumping on the table for this guy, Gentry, as somebody who should have been right up there at the top of the draft among the top quarterbacks in that class. And he was looked at in that draft as a little bit of an afterthought. What I saw in him at the college level was one of the best five athletes I've ever seen in college football. And I've been paying attention to college football for close to 40 years now. Just absolutely remarkable. And he looked like he he reminded me of Michael Vick on one hand when he was at Louisville. But on the other hand, I think you're pretty familiar with Lamar Jackson, too, uh, Gentry from his college days. But he was so much more productive than Vick. I mean, his one... Uh, monster season that he had for for Louisville. I think I want to say that was actually his his sophomore year. He put up bigger numbers than Michael Vick did his whole career at Virginia Tech. Ended up going at the at the very end of the at the first round and and uh, you know he's had his ups and downs in the NFL. He certainly hadn't been an All Pro year in year out by any stretch of the imagination. But guy still to me has got a bright future and and should have been picked higher than he was. And if they, if there was a do-over for that draft, I don't have any doubt that he would have gone higher than 32. You know, it's funny you say that. Yeah, I, I covered Lamar when I was at the Courier-Journal, and I just went back and looked in my, uh, my, my phone. I had actually saved a screenshot of this, and I still had it in my phone. I was going through it recently and saw this. On January 8th, 2017, Pete Thamel, um, who is a uh, pretty well-known college football reporter, Tweeted, while scouting Deshaun Watson, a coach said Lamar Jackson, quote, has no shot at playing quarterback in the NFL. None. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and get I, out of here I, with I, that. Yeah, I remember screenshotting that at the time going, all right, I'm going to gonna file that one away. But, yeah, there was a lot of that at the time. And that same draft, and I'll, I'll go to the one I was wrong about. I was wrong about several quarterbacks in that draft. But Josh Allen has been a lot better than I expected. And I liked Josh Rosen at the time. And that, boy, that hadn't worked out. That hadn't worked out for him. hadn't worked out for Sam Darnold. I mean, you could even say, you know, Baker Mayfield. I I, I still believe Baker Mayfield is going to have a Ryan Tannehill kind of turn to his career if he lands in the right situation. Uh, He was hurt all last year. I actually believe the upside is still pretty – I think Baker Mayfield is going to end up being a good quarterback somewhere. I do. Uh, And I actually believe the Cleveland Browns could end up regretting that uh, that switch they made going to Deshaun Watson, but we'll see about that. And uh, you know, especially if Baker Mayfield ends up getting released and going to like the Steelers, that could be a lot of fun. That could be a ton of fun. If he, I can't imagine Mayfield and and Steelers gear, that would be wild. But yeah, yeah, he he's. I think he's got something left in the tank. Last year was a wash for him with the, with the injuries and uh, some turmoil on that team. Obviously with OBJ, it was a mess of a year for the Browns. But I do agree with you. Lamar Jackson going 32 was a joke, and I think it has since proven to be exactly that. All right, let's let's bring in uh, our our feature our interview with uh, with with Blake Bedenfield and uh, Chase. You anything to, to set up here? It's a pretty good interview, I thought. Yeah, I enjoyed talking to Blake. We talked for uh, a little bit north of 15 minutes on a variety of draft topics. We touched on 
uh, the Saints-Eagles trade a little bit, a little bit about what you and I were already talking about, Gentry, with all the teams sitting out the first round, hit on the quarterback class, hit on what NFL clubs are doing right now here in the first week of April. That's kind of what we closed out with, uh, which was interesting discussion as well. Even though the pro days are getting shut down, uh, the the front offices are still plenty busy here in these final weeks before the draft. All right. Well, everybody enjoy. We're joined now here on the Draftville podcast by Blake Bettingfield. We're so glad to have him. Blake spent 19 years in the uh, Tennessee Titans college scouting department, the last five of those as its director of college scouting. He's now the owner of Bettingfield Sports. We'll talk to him a little bit later uh, about that. You can follow him on Twitter at BlakeBed. That's B-L-A-K-E-B-E-D-D. And Blake, great to have you in. Hey, it's great to be here, Chase. Recently, we've had yet another first-round deal. The uh, New Orleans Saints pick up an extra first-round pick. The Philadelphia Eagles deal one of their three. So they've now got uh, a pair. The Saints have a pair uh, first-round picks kind of flying around in this draft. What are your thoughts on, on the Saints making that move, Blake? And, and do you see, there's some speculation that one or both of these teams, particularly the Saints, may be looking to parlay that extra pick into maybe a move up. You know, when, you, when I first saw that trade, uh, definitely on the New Orleans side, you look at a team that's looking to get a little bit younger. Um, they let their left tackle leave in free agency. You know, Michael Thomas, their their mainstay at wide receiver for those years, has had some injury concerns the last two years. Obviously, Drew Brees retiring kind of put them a little bit in a hole. Uh, their best defensive player, Cameron Jordan, is, is getting up there in age. He'll be going into his 12th season in the NFL. So you start to see a little bit of age on this team. And acquiring a couple of first-round picks can give them two options. It can give them the option to pick two young players at those spots and, and start to get younger on the roster or uh, start to get the draft capital that will allow them to move up in the draft if they um, uh, see fit to maybe pick a quarterback in that spot. I think the Eagles did a very good job in this trade, uh, not only acquiring a, a, a pick kind of in, sandwiched in the middle of those two selections, but also uh, next year's selections too. So I think both teams did what they are kind of accomplished what they wanted uh, out of that trade. And it'll be interesting to see what New Orleans uh, really is going for with those two picks. That really just the latest when it comes to first round movement in this draft. The count now, Blake, there are eight teams uh, without a first round pick. The Bears, Broncos, Browns, Dolphins, Colts, Raiders, 49ers, and Rams. No surprise on the Rams. They never seem to have a first round pick. Uh, but eight eight teams sitting it out. It's the most I can remember. Uh, generally, what are your thoughts on bailing out of the first round? Obviously, deal to deal, you, you can get a lot of value in a, in a veteran player for one of those picks. But uh, what are your thoughts on a quarter of the league uh, seeing fit to sit the first round out this year? You know, I think you start to see the importance of the quarterback position when you look at the Chicago Bears and, and picking up Justin Fields last year, uh, giving up their first round. Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, Deshaun Watson to the Browns. You know, the Miami Dolphins kind of in a different spot, wanting to build around their quarterback to a Tagovailoa uh, with Tyreek Hill's move. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts. 
trying to find that quarterback uh, that can replace the the long term 1998 through 2012 of Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. You know that's they're they're in that uh, uncomfortable position of trying to find a quarterback every year, and and they're having to give up draft capital to do it. Uh, the Raiders with Devontae Adams, 49ers uh, with their quarterback Trey Lance last year, and the Rams, which uh, seem to not really care about first round picks each and every year, but didn't hurt them this year. But you start to see, I think this year's draft um, is is easy to give up a first round pick just because I don't think you really have those those star making type players, especially in the top of the top of the draft this year. This is one of those first rounds that you can kind of give away uh, a first round pick for more of an established player. That kind of leads us into the quarterback discussion, and we've been talking quarterbacks pretty much every week here on the USA Today Draftville podcast. Uh, are you kind of in the camp with a lot of the draft experts that this is a relatively weak quarterback class, or do you see more in this group of quarterbacks than others? You know, I'm probably more in the weak uh, quarterback draft, not because the play uh, the players overall aren't a solid group, because you're going to have Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, maybe a Desmond Ryder, Carson Strong, some of those kids that can actually be starters in the NFL. But when you're talking about trying to win a Super Bowl, you need a top 10 quarterback. You need a top 12 quarterback uh, to accomplish that goal. And I don't think any one of these quarterbacks coming out of the draft are going to be projected as a top 10 NFL quarterback. You're looking more at the bottom 10 uh, in the NFL. But if you're a quarterback star team like a Falcons and a Panthers and a, uh, you know, Houston, Texas, possibly the Colts after a Matt Ryan is done, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Seattle, New Orleans, you know, you're looking at a, a player that maybe can come in and be a cheaper option than what they're having to go out and, um, and spend to have a bottom 10 starting quarterback. So, you know, Quarterback is the premium position in the NFL, and you can see with the trades this year, and you see the money that was given to the quarterbacks, uh, how important that position is to win. The Rams are a great example uh, this past year when they pick up a, a veteran quarterback and it takes them to the Super Bowl on a win. You mentioned several of the clubs that are going to be in that quarterback market. wanted to ask you as well about the team you know so well, the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill is 33 now, I believe, going into his 10th year in the league. Uh, it can't be said that, that Tennessee has a hole at quarterback, but you know, we frequently see these, these quarterbacks get drafted maybe a year or two ahead of when a veteran might be on his last legs. Uh, do you see, is it too soon for the Titans to be thinking first-round quarterback? No, I think in an ideal world, they would love to pick a quarterback here, especially with these quarterbacks in this draft that are going to fall to that latter portion of the first round. Now, they don't have a second-round pick, having traded that for Julio Jones this past year. The one problem with them selecting a quarterback in this draft, the Titans roster has holes on it, has holes at the right tackle position, the left guard position, really a, a receiver position as well, uh, tight end, and some defensive players, especially at the cornerback position with some uh, definite youth there that have had some injury concerns. So th I think they're going to have to fill that first round pick have to fill a need position that's going to have to come in and start. They have some salary cap issues too with some high price players and then some players like AJ Brown and Jeffrey Simmons that are going to uh, require a new contract in the short term. So uh, I think that first round pick will probably end up being a player that they can slot in as a starter, but this would be the draft for them with Ryan Tannehill struggling last year in the playoffs 
and getting a little bit older. And, and he had some injury concerns early in his career. This would be the draft to select one and then have that youthful player uh, moving forward. But I, I don't think they're going to be in that luxury this year with having so many needs. Quarterback position, obviously looking thin uh, in this particular draft. What about some other positions, Blake? Some thoughts you might have on positions where this draft is deepest and strongest and maybe other than quarterback, a, a position or two where it's weak? You know, I think there's always three positions that NFL teams look for as premium type positions. That's the quarterback, left tackle, and pass rusher. And I think in this draft, you have a deep group of pass rushers, which whether it's an Aiden Hutchinson, a, a Kayvon Thibodeau, a Carl Loftus from Purdue, Walker, Jermaine Johnson, Ojibao, who, who was hurt. Uh, these are some players that can actually – come in right now and play and be a pass rusher for a team. You even have some some second and third round picks like a Drake Jackson, Majah Sanders, Boya Mafu, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Hunter. These are guys that can actually rush the passer in year one. So I think the depth of that position is very strong. Uh, maybe uh, the the solid group in the top ten with with Thibodeau and Hutchinson, you know, will will, will be a top ten pick. Uh, they can come right in and be impactful type players. I think the receiver position, lacking that star player, but having depth at the receiver position. There's just a couple of injury concerns that you have uh, with Jamison Williams from Alabama and Mechie from Alabama. Both uh, got hurt late in the season, but both quality type receivers uh, that could come in and play in year one if healthy. I like the safety position as well. The safety position over the past few years, I think, has been a, a weaker position uh, in the NFL drafts just because of the a, a lot of uh, the, the really good, talented safeties have been moved to nickel linebacker in a lot of systems in college football. But I think in this group, um, you, you're going to have a good, deep safety position. And the other position I really like is the inside linebacker position uh, with Kobe Dean and, and Lloyd from Utah and Muma and Quay Walker. The, these are players that can come in and play a role in a lot of the defenses today because they can. a lot of those players can be three-down linebackers, which is so important. Uh, so those are the strongest positions, the pass rushers, wide receivers, safeties, and inside linebackers. And I think the weakest position we talked about a little bit with the quarterback position, but I think the cornerback position is a little weaker in this draft. Not because there's not some players that can come in and play like a, you know, a Sauce from Cincinnati and Derek Stingley, who has all the talent in the world to play that position. McDuffie, these are players that can come in and, and be players, but I think the depth is very thin when you're talking about future starters uh, at the cornerback position. Yeah, I was talking to a scout a couple of weeks ago, Blake, who, who made a, what I thought was a pretty unique general comment about the depth in the draft year to year. Uh, and what he said was generally you're looking for starters rounds one through three, rounds five through seven. Primarily it's, it's, it's special teams hope and, and, and guys that project maybe as a starter down the road, but in terms of immediate help, more special teams guys. And that leaves out the fourth round, which is a little bit of a turning point. Uh, for, for depth in the draft at various positions in terms of total numbers. Uh, do you see it that way, or, or, or do you think that there's uh, maybe a little bit more demand for, for to, to find a starter in that fourth or fifth round if you can? You know, I think that fourth round is that is that great spot where you, when you reshuffle the draft after the first three rounds and you start to see some quality players there, and, and, the, and the interest 
based on the team is do you go for a potential starter? Maybe he's a potential starter in year two, but there are always those type players in that in that fourth round. Whether it was a deep position like we're talking about maybe with pass rushers, that you have a player that you graded as a second or third round player that failed to the fourth round. I think you take the best player available in that in that round, and I think the scout you talked to uh, was right on the money there because that first round has to be a starter. The second round player is usually an eventual starter, and the third round player is definitely a two deep in year one and uh, eventual starter in year two. That fourth round is always that quality round. I think you can find a player. I remember we drafted a Daquan Jones um, out of Penn State. He's still in the league in year eight. This is a player that we had as a second round. Uh, graded player didn't have a need for the defense defensive tackle position but we just felt that he was too valuable to pass up in that fourth round and then he ended up becoming an eventual starter in year two and still in the league in year eight so those are the type players that you can select in, in round four and i think it's very important to go with that best player available because in the fifth sixth and seventh round you always have that time to pick a, a 2d player or a special teams type player or a role a role player uh later in the draft wrapping up here in the next couple of minutes with blake bettingfield of bettingfield sports and of course former director of college scouting with the tennessee titans blake uh, clue in our, our listeners if you would on where nfl clubs are in the draft process right now as we sit roughly three weeks before the draft we know pro days are coming to an end i think lsu's got a pro day today but that first week in april tends to be when pro days kind of wrap up. Uh, I guess you've still got some official visits going on, maybe a private workout here or there. Uh, but at, at what point, uh, is this the point where NFL clubs kind of hunker down in the offices and, and are uh, more or less done with the evaluation end of it? Yes. You know, you're going to finalize those final pro days. Like you said, the official visits uh, into your facility. But right now what's, what's starting to happen is a lot of the conversations with the general manager, the coaching staff, um, the director of college scouting, director of player personnel, you're meeting with your medical staff to go over the final medical grades on every player to see who's off the board medically that you cannot select. Uh, what you're doing is you're getting the, the background information. You're talking about on-campus police, state police, FBI, every information that you can gather on a player's background, and you're really uh, diving into those uh, reports now on the on the player's background. Anybody that you have to take off the board because of uh, some off-the-field issues. You're also dealing with a psychologist that has met with a number of your players, and you're going over that information as well. So these are things outside the realm of football that really can – can move players down a draft board. We're very rarely will a player move up at this point uh, because those injuries and off the field issues will start to knock a player down. But you will finalize your draft board. You end up starting with about 1,700 players uh, when the draft process starts a year ago, and you will dwindle that number down into about 100 to 125 players when it comes to draft day that you're going to make your seven selections and then the undrafted free agency that will uh, take place after the draft. So all those all those little pieces will come into play in these next three weeks uh, to help a team decide on their seven selections. So, so for the fans, the whole month of April is hurry up and wait, and they're drumming their fingers, but inside, inside the front offices, there's still a ton of work, more or less. <laughs> 
you know, there's a ton of work at this point, and everybody has a role. Your medical staff, your doctors, your your uh, off the field issue people that you that you have employed that deal with uh, uh, gathering information. Um, these these final pro days, some of the visits, like like we mentioned, uh, but these are the type things that are very important when selecting a player you don't want to have that first round bust because of an off the field issue or a personality trait that didn't work and you definitely don't want to take a player that's got a current injury that's not going to help you in year one uh, especially when those uh, contracts are so short with four or five years been great to have blake bettingfield of bettingfield sports here on the usa today draftville podcast blake before we let you go uh, why don't you just tell people a little bit about bettingfield sports and where they can find you you know, when I left the NFL a couple of years ago, I, I started betting field sports, which I wanted to stay in football. I still do a lot in the NFL. I evaluate players. I'm a consultant for some NFL teams uh, leading up to the draft. I'm also uh, a consultant for college uh, football teams as well. I've gone into different universities and helped them set up their recruiting departments like an NFL uh, scouting department, help them uh, teach their young recruiters to, to evaluate players, how to write reports, how to scout, what to look for, how to work with their coaches, um, kind of build a grading system uh, involved. So I do a lot with the colleges as well. I, I do work with a lot of sports agents as well. Uh, and then I've delved into the high school um, uh, part of football, which I've enjoyed. And what I've done is I've taken on some players, and I use my 20 years of contacts in college uh, to help promote players and uh, help them get scholarships. And you know, right now we've we've had a lot of success with with helping players. I what I do is I cut out the middleman and I get the film from the high schools. I evaluate the player myself find out uh, what level of, of play he can he can play at, and then I help that player uh, achieve that goal of finding a scholarship using my contacts in college and, and really cutting out the middleman and going right to the, uh, the people that make those decisions on the college level and ultimately let the colleges make the decision on, on offering a player or not. But I enjoy it. It's football, and uh, 12 months a year I can do it uh, 13 if there was another month. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Blake Bettingfield of uh, Bettingfield Sports. Blake, thanks so much for joining us here on the Draftville Podcast. You bet. It was good to be with you, Chase. Yep. That's pretty interesting stuff there, and that uh, that interview was a good job by uh, by you, Chase. I felt like, and, and I felt like it really gave a sense of what it's like in a front office heading into the draft. This is, and really, what goes the the unbelievably extensive efforts that go into this from the standpoint of how teams have to prepare for this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, Blake was talking about all the background information that's flying around here at the end where teams are kind of doing last minute checks on guys in terms of, uh, you know, not only disciplinary history, uh, any history with, you know, with the law or anything of that nature, but also the medical history, checking with doctors uh, on old injuries, fresh injuries, how those may play into longevity, all that stuff goes into it. And, and they're, they're, most of the work, most of the hay is in the barn for sure, but they're crossing T's and dotting I's here in the last few weeks, and uh, it's, it's, it's plenty busy. And, of course, at the top of the front office, uh, at the general manager level, uh, trade discussions uh, for sure are flying around. The phones ring often at this time of year and, and even more as we get closer to the draft. I said there's going to be a lot more normalcy from the standpoint of how teams being in their facilities and in their war rooms. And I think there was more of that last year, but the draft, I'll never forget the draft two years ago where everything was virtual and how 
I can't even imagine having to put together all these these pieces that we're talking about and doing it virtually mm-hmm. where everybody's sitting there in their living rooms or whatever trying to put together a draft and and uh, I mean it really just an, an incredible amount goes into this to and and you 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 see teams hit on it, but when they miss on these first round picks and you see all that went into it and, and there's a, there's an awful lot riding on this uh, for these guys. So you'd hate to be in the room if it goes South. There seems to be a little bit more uh, patience, I guess maybe the word among owners for general managers and coaches, but not a lot more, right? I mean, if a coach comes in and flops, yeah, they could be gone. Typically, maybe as quickly as as two years, uh, three at the most, and there's coaching turnover. Bang, the guy's out. With a general manager, uh, I think it tends to run. The patience tends to run a little bit longer. But if the GM flops, those guys aren't long for it either. And and so the front and when the GM goes, usually the whole front office pretty much gets washed out. New guy brings in his own people. Same as a coach. Uh, and so a lot of pressure on the coaches, but but almost as much, if not every every bit as much pressure on these general managers to get these picks right, bringing guys that can help generate wins as quickly as possible. And uh, it, it's tri- it's tricky on a lot of fronts, especially because there's so much parity in the league uh, and it's uh, parity by design, of course, by the way they set up the draft, worst teams draft first, best teams draft last, et cetera. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing for these guys to build and put together. Uh, but just like a coach, the general manager better show results pretty quickly, uh, from not only the draft, but also what becomes of whatever trades, uh, he decides to make. And, you know, if, if, uh, if it doesn't go well after three, four years, those GMs are gone pretty quick too. I think that's one of the reasons you see fewer, uh, of these draft day kind of trades like we just saw with Philly and New Orleans it's because it's it, it, it's easy to get those wrong and it's easy for someone to come back and and see that you got that wrong yeah so uh, there, there seems to be I, I think in football in general there seems to be a uh, risk aversion to risk here a little bit and not only with how teams are run but how the games are called that's why um, you know I think there's been a real push for teams to go for it more on fourth down and take more chances because I think it, the, the stats were starting to bear out that everyone was risk averse. They kept wanting to delay, a de- you know, deciding the game, but in a way that wouldn't necessarily reflect poorly on a decision. And just because somebody loses a trade entry, that doesn't necessarily mean somebody wins, right? Because you could trade a, a pick for a player. Maybe the player's a bust and the pick's a bust, right? I mean, there could be – and sometimes there's double winners in a trade, but sometimes there's double losers too. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when you're you're trading picks for players and it's, it's – um, you know, it's like how how what what qualifies a win there? How productive does a player have to be to equal a third round? But, you know, so, I mean, yeah. it, it, it can be tough to figure. But uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for, for this edition of the Draft Field Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcast. Drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Chase Goodbread, I'm Gentry Estes. Thanks so much for listening.